Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Zach. I'll be representing Liverpool today. You can find me on Twitter at ZachForster underscore AI. Yeah, hi. I, uh, I'm Jake. I support Newcastle. I write for EPL Index and Total Dutch Football, and you can get my uh, Twitter at Jake Jackman with two ends. Hi guys, I'm Jim. I'm the Leicester City representative for the EPL Roundtable. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JimKnight88. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start off with Zach. Obviously, you've played City twice. Two very different results. What's been your take on the past week? Ooh, it's been a very heart-pounding week. Um, I think I spent the well obviously I spent the entire weekend looking forward to the game and then was obviously let down by the result but um, the game I thought the game itself I don't actually know how it looks for a neutral I thought the first half was slow but then the second half and extra time was like pretty entertaining and then obviously everyone loves pens so it was a pretty I thought it was a pretty good game um, this is the final I'm talking about um, obviously it was very difficult to take losing on penalties especially when as a club in you know in Literally, since forever, we've had a really, really good penalty shootout record. Um, I think we've only lost like three or four times out of 18. I think it's four times now out of 18 we've lost. Um, and it's it's really strange because I think we lost to Besiktas only um, last season, I believe, in the Europa League. So that's two in quite mm-hmm. quick succession, which is unusual for us. Um, I thought, I actually thought once we equalised, I thought we were going to win it. Um, and I was so so disappointed when um, Caballero just decided to be the keeper that he used to be for, uh, for Malaga, like really good <laughs> reflex keeper. Um, the penalty saves, I actually thought Liverpool's penalties weren't too bad. Coutinho's penalty was really bad. Um, but obviously Emery Jans was just genius. Um, I didn't think Lucas's was that bad. I've seen worse penalties go in. Um, because it, although it's not in the corner, it's quite high. So I thought I, I thought it was going to go in, and Lallana's is hit with great pace, and he's going towards the corner. It's just a really good save by Caballero. So, you know, um, you win some, you lose some. Um, we've been, we've, I've, I've been around to see us lose finals before, and we win one. You always win another one eventually. So, hopefully, just looking forward to get back in, in some big games, and you know, the Europa League's around the corner with United, so we've got some big games there. Um, obviously, the league game went a bit better for us. Um, it was literally just a whitewash from start to finish. City looked like they'd been on the piss for like the last two days. Um, Liverpool, I was so happy to see the reaction. I mean, every single player on that pitch in a red shirt was was had the red mist. They were just up for like destroying City. Um, I thought Lallana, Milner, and and uh, Flanagan was decent. Um, Emre Jean was good. Mignolet didn't have a thing to do. So obviously. Now, now that you know we've exercised the demons so quickly, it does feel a lot better. Um, obviously, it's still a chance missed with the cup final, but um, you know you exercise the demons and you move on. As Klopp says, you're an idiot if you stay on the floor and take the next defeat. So, you know we've got Palace this weekend. Hopefully, we can get another win and just keep building the barrier, keep building a buffer away from that League Cup game, and just just forget it as quickly as possible. 
Yeah, obviously after a result like this, a lot of people kind of asking what direction the club is going in because it looked like it was going down a little bit. Now like looks like it's going up a little bit. What do you think your expectations for next season will be? I think it um, wholly depends on the end of this season. I mean, when Klopp gets his hands on some transfer money, and I think we've saved our gen- January transfer kitty, as the English media like to uh, label it, and I think we've transferred it to the summer. So I think we should have a we should have a decent pot to um, to go to work with, and we're going to have some outgoings as well. People like Joe Allen, um, Dejan Lovren, Adam Lallana, all been linked with moves away. Don't know how many of those will actually move. Uh, Benteke Balotelli, so he's going to have a lot of money to change his squad. And but I think with with the amount of changes that he's going to need to implement his, you know, fully implement his style and and um, actually have a squad that he's really happy with, I think next season is going to be another slight slight transitional period. Maybe not as bad as this one where we literally like lose three 0 to Watford and then beat City four one. So I don't think it's going to be that kind of season. I think we'll have a little bit more consistency, but. It could also go the other way, and if we don't get Europa League, we're gonna have like a Leicester City esque, you know, see, um, you know, season full of games. As in, we we might only play forty games if we go out in the first round of the League Cup and go out in the first round of the FA Cup. You're only gonna play forty games if you're not in the Europa League, not in the Champions League. So, you know, if 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 it's just a straight up league campaign like it was in 2013-14, and like what Leicester are doing now, I think. You know, we've got to win for that top four, maybe even higher, because you have such a big advantage when that happens. But um, if we do get Champions League, uh, sorry, well, Champions League, if, if we win the Europa League, uh, if we get Europa League through positions, then I think um, it'll be another season of finishing fifth or sixth and just build, trying to build on Klopp's transfers that he's going to make this summer. You know, integrate some players like Firmino's done this season. I think he's, I think he's the, you know, the standout one in terms of, you know, give people time to to adapt so that might be next season might be another case of doing just that you know giving people time to to bed in all right jake obviously less of an exciting week for your newcastle side suffering defeat once again perhaps a touch cruelly what what do you think about newcastle these days yeah so we um we went to stoke um who are, are a good team this year uh you know top half pushing for the top six seven so you know there's no disgrace losing that game, but I think the manner in which we lost it is quite disappointing. We went there, set up for a draw, which was just evident from from the kickoff. Um, and Stoke were not playing well. They they didn't play well at all. We let we let uh, Stoke play probably at fifty percent of their maximum, and they they beat us with quite some ease in the end. We didn't really threaten at all until we went one nil down, and then at that point, you know, it's difficult to come back when you've defended for 80, 83, 84 minutes to come back and try and get an equaliser, that's difficult. So I think it's, with Newcastle, I think we are probably, we're probably going to go down. I'd, if if I was predicted the league now, I'd say we're one of the three that go down, purely because just tactically we're so inept. We only seem to um, turn up at home and there's just not enough home games to rely on. You need to pick up what, you know, a win, win or two on the road if you, uh, in this current situation, you know, Swansea did Bournemouth have done it recently? Um, Sunderland they look like they're playing a lot better away from home. We're unlucky at the weekend. You know, it's it just looks like we're we're 
the second worst team in the league at the moment, and that is just that the fault falls at one man's door, and that is Steve McLaren. I'll, I'll read out a few quotes now from some of his uh, post-match thoughts from a few games, just to, just to show the type of manager he is. So he started off at West Brom away on Boxer Day, said, we've had a tough three days, and I feel so sorry for the lads after so much effort and attitude to stand toe-to-toe with West Brom, dealing with all the crosses and the balls into the box. I thought we did ever so well. Well, we didn't, Steve. We did not do well. Move on to Watford away. We started the game so well and looked in control. The two goals really killed us. It's disappointing. We fought back and came back. We threw everything at them. It wasn't our day. Now, last night, he came up after the game and he said, I couldn't fault the players. We were organised, hard to beat, compact, and we frustrated Stoke. They had one shot target in the second half and scored. If we continue that hard work, then we'll get what we deserve. Yes, and that's relegation. That is what we deserve <laughs> at the moment. It's like these comments, they're just like... He's, clouds and he really he's a manager who really does believe these words he really thinks we've been unlucky he thinks that we're playing well he thinks we're going to climb out of it and it's just the evidence on the pitch says otherwise he does things that are just so just so stupid like everybody else watching the game is thinking why are you doing that like he started yoing goofrad yesterday who's been awful for years and we had the likes of perez dumbia um Aaron's on the bench, all of whom would give a more, uh, you know, attacking threat. And Stoke were there to get uh, there to be got at at the weekend. Even Aston Villa went there and nearly took a point off them. And we just we 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 were just a lot worse than that. And then the moment we go one 0 down, he brings on Perez and Doombia, and then we play a lot better for the last seven minutes. Doombia comes close and uh, you know nearly scored if it wasn't for Butler making a really good save. But it, we've had seven away goals this season, which is the lowest in the football league. It's not even just the lowest in the Premier League. It's it's awful. We, we're just relying so much on our home matches, and it's just very worrying. I think if I was Newcastle, I would make the managerial change. I would have made the managerial change after the Chelsea game because then we had 17 days off. We we're going away for a training camp. That's the time to make the change. But now, the fact we did make the change said, I think we're not, we're not going to make one. And I think we've got McLaren for the season now. And the only person I could possibly see coming in is um, Pearson. He's the type of person that actually would appoint. And if he's not the type of manager we want long term, but I'm sure he could probably do a lot better than what McLaren's doing at the moment. So yeah, we are nineteenth. We've got a game in hand over over Norwich and Sunderland. They're only only in the relegation zone on goal difference, but the game in hand is against City, so we could probably rule that one out now. But you know, if I was a neutral and I was looking at the fixture lists, I'd say that our fixture list is quite good. We've got we play Bournemouth, Sunderland, Swansea, Palace, all at home. And, you know, that is five winnable matches. You know, we could win all of those, especially at home. At home, we play well. We beat West Ham. We beat West Brom at home in our last two home matches. Drew to Manchester United and probably should have beaten them. So, you know, that is where we do play good football. And those five games are crucial. We've also got away games to Leicester, Southampton, Liverpool, Norwich, Aston Villa. See, see our games, there's a lot of winnable games in there. We, we've We've played most of the top six twice. You know, we look at our next four games. We've got Bournemouth at home, Leicester away, Sunderland at home, Norwich away. We need to be taking minimum seven points out of that. And look, if we take any less than that, we that's just not good enough. I think seven points out of that, and we could start to climb out of it. When I look at the fixture list, I'm quite confident. But when I just watch the matches, I'm not. So it's, it's yeah, it's just very disappointing. I would probably get rid of McLaren, but I just don't see who we're going to bring in. So we're probably stuck with him which is very sad. Yeah, we spoke a little bit before we started recording about what would happen if you did go down. Uh, what players do you think would be staying and which could you see easily going if, if you failed to secure Premier League football next season? 
Yeah, well, I, I could probably see the likes of Wijnaldum, Yamar, uh, Perez, uh, Sissoko, Krull probably all going just because, you know, they've they've proven themselves enough on the Premier League stage. And I think that there would be clubs interested in them, whether they're from the Premier League or, or abroad. I think they're the type of players that would go. Then I'd probably say we'd keep the likes of Elliot, you know, Stephen Taylor, Colacini would probably stay because he's got a year left on his contract. I can't see anybody taking that. Uh, Dummer, uh, Goufran, Aaron's, they're the type. Of, uh, Shelby and Townsend would probably stay. We'll just sign them. Uh, Colback would probably stay. So it'd be, we'd have an all right squad going forward. And then we've got a, a few young players like Adam Armstrong, who is ripping up League One. I think he's like the joint top scorer in League One with Coventry at the moment. He'd come back. And he could, if we did go down, I'd expect him to sort of have an Andy Carroll um, emergence. Uh, like uh, when we went down last time and Andy Carroll just sort of came to the fore. I could imagine him doing something similar to that. Yeah, and I'd, I'm sure we'd invest in some sort of bog-standard championship players as well. But yeah, it, we don't want it to come down to that. But if I'm honest, I'd probably say as a as a neutral in the Premier League, the league could really do with Villa, Newcastle and Sunderland all dropping out of it because we've all just been just a bad you know, just a bad stain on the Premier League for the last three or four years. And if we all went down, it would probably be good for the Premier League. <laughs> Newcastle and Sunderland matchups in the championship would definitely be interesting. Um, all right. And Jim, before your match against West Brom, obviously everything looked peachy. Then you get a draw. Everything looked awful. And then everyone behind you lost. So uh, after that strange roller coaster, how are you feeling about your title chances now? I'm still confident that we're probably the favourites, um, given the running that we've got. Like I've said this before, but I find it funny that when we were just playing the big teams over Christmas, everyone was saying that it was really difficult because we hadn't played anyone. So when we played the big teams, we'd get found out. And now that we've got quote unquote smaller teams to play, um, it's really difficult because those smaller teams, you know, know how to nullify us and and won't come out to play and therefore that will make it really difficult as well. Um I just think it's really difficult whoever you're playing when you're in that top spot. But it's yeah, I think it was a bit of an overreaction to um to Tuesday night, the the West Brom draw. Like we had plenty of chances to win that game. And actually we probably played better in the West Brom game in terms of an attacking sense than we did against Norwich. Uh, and yet we won the Norwich game. Uh, one nil with the last gas goal, and we did have plenty of chances second half once it got two two to win the game. So I'm not massively concerned. Even even though Kante was missing, uh, the change was to to bring in Andy King, which uh, you know doesn't help us defensively as much. Danny Drinkwater has to sit, sit a little bit deeper, but King is a very attack minded midfielder, and you saw that from the second goal with the ridiculous kind of nonchalant flick from Mares. Um, so he's going to get forward and score his goals. So although we're not as defensively solid, we probably offer a bit more going forward. It's kind of balances out in that sense that we're almost more willing to go toe to toe with sides with King in the in the attacking midfield role, uh, and Drinkwater just kind of has to to sit a little bit deeper. He did score actually, which is very rare for him, um, but it was massively deflected as well. Um, it's one for the Jubilee's goals panel. Uh, yeah, it's it was good to see everyone lose obviously from a Leicester City point of view um, on Wednesday. But again, we're still only three points clear. Um, there's still 10 games to go, but I'm still fairly confident. I think, you know, we're in with a good chance. I don't think 
that draw rocked us quite as much as the media in England would have you believe that it did. You know, you read the back page headlines and everyone was kind of saying, oh, the Foxes have blown it. And I was thinking, hold on, even if Tottenham win um, on the Wednesday, they're going to go above us, but only on goal difference. And with the fixture list that we've got, we could still, you know, that destiny is probably still in our own hands, particularly because they had to go and play Arsenal on in their next league game. So there's every chance that they could potentially drop points in one of those two league games that they had coming up. Um, yeah, so it's kind of much ado about nothing, really. It's kind of as you were. Everyone got very excited and then we're just kind of back to exactly where we were <laughs> at, the beginning of the, at the beginning of the match day, except that Leicester have got one more point on the board. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned your run-in, which uh, is fairly easy considering, you know, basically Manchester United is the big match you have left. A lot of other teams that, based on Leicester's current form, you'd expect to win... Arsenal do have a fairly easy run in uh, the last four or five weeks with Palace, Sunderland, Norwich, and Villa, but also Manchester City in there. Uh, while you guys have Manchester United, Everton, and Chelsea the last three weeks, is there? Are you starting to look at points and think this is how much we need to be up heading into those last few matches? I think it's difficult not to because that's kind of the natural reaction. And but also, I think looking at historically the amount of points that it's going to take you to win. Um, a title, it could be a record low this year mm. because of the amount of points that each team are taking off each other. So as as good as a guide historically that is to say, oh, okay, Chelsea won it with X this year, Manchester City won it with Y the year before, and so on and so forth. You know, there's every chance that if you look at our last 38 games, if you took our 38 games from the beginning, the end of last season, and, and the majority of this, I think we'd have got 79 points which would have been enough to win the title some years and not others. I think we would have been way behind Chelsea last year. Yeah, uh, 80 is the lowest recently, which was Manchester okay. United so, in yeah, 2010. Um, but given the amount of points that are being taken off, you know, the, the, the top four are so close, which by nature means that the, the lower total is probably going to be, you know, it's going to be set again this year. It, it's, it's, it's really possible that someone wins it with kind of mid-70s. Um, you know, you get mm. 75, 76 points, you're going to be there or thereabouts. So, yeah, we've looked at it and maybe said, you know, we don't tend to lose a lot of games, which is, I think, why we're in the position that we're in. Um, because when we're not winning, we're still grinding a point out. Yeah. Um, you know, only lost three games this year. Um, and it's, I think, if we can stay unbeaten to the, the rest of the season, obviously, we've got a fantastic chance. Um, because I'd back us to win the majority of those games. So I'd say maybe six more wins from the the 10 games. I think six six wins and, and four draws, or three draws maybe, I think would, would see us in with a really, really decent chance. But then you have that thought and you think, what's the worst that could happen? We'll probably finish third now, hmm. uh, which is still automatic Champions League football and just all the money and glamour and every kudos that comes with that, which is just going to be unbelievable. So you just then have to give yourself a bit of a slap in the face and say, think about what you're saying here. <laughs> like the worst case scenario is that you're automatically in the Champions League, which is just, you know, an incredible statement to be saying, considering where we were even this time last season. Yeah, and I look forward to pestering you immensely in the lead-up to next season over the moves you'll have to make <laughs> to compensate with Champions League football, but we'll leave that till then. Um, for Tottenham, obviously a very disappointing 
loss yesterday to West Ham hurts more because it was West Ham. But uh, a lot of Spurs fans fall into this trap of just assuming that West Ham are the worst team to ever grace this planet. Uh, this West Ham side is very good. Dimitri Payet is no joke. We've known this for months now. Um, and Bilic changed his tactics very, very uh, last minute into a formation that we just didn't know how to cope with. They basically played three at the back and five in the midfield when you consider that we didn't have Musa Dembele or Della Ali, uh, who did come on late but not starting. We're already down basically two players against their best 11 with Lanzini having just returned from fit, uh, just returned to fitness. So it wasn't ideal by any stretch. Uh, I saw a lot of people complaining about the conditions. Both teams play on the same pitch. Both teams play in the same weather. Not a huge fan of using that as an excuse. We just got beat by a good team. And it happened to be our worst performance. At least the first half was easily our worst half of the year. Potentially the whole thing was our worst performance of the year uh, on the whole. But it's hard to get too discouraged, especially when so many other teams around us dropped points. Um, we're in a situation where even if we lost to Arsenal in the North London Derby, we would still be ahead of them on goal difference. So this is this is not the kind of flash fire that everybody's reporting on where everything's gone to hell. Kind of like what Jim was saying with Leicester. Uh, after their draw, everybody was like, oh, the title season's over. It's, you know, it's all a bit too soon for me to, to jump on that panic train. Was it infuriating? Yes, because we couldn't complete two passes for our lives. Harry Kane was largely invisible. He had one chance and didn't take it. He, he kind of expected the defender to get in the way, and it kind of uh, trickled past him, and he, he could have squared it up, but he was a step behind. And those are just kind of the things that have gone for us this season, and it happened to go against us. Only our fourth loss of the season, I want to say? Maybe fifth. I really should know that. Um, but still not bad either way. Uh Still concerned about what we're going to do with Dortmund coming up, but not too concerned about the league. I know we have Arsenal at the weekend, and everybody's freaking out, but as soon as I realized that we're still ahead of them regardless, I started feeling fine. Uh, listeners of this show know I hate people celebrating injuries, so I will not do that, but um, the absence of Petrcek and Laurent Koscielny will obviously be big ones for them. Uh, we did get a boost today from uh, Pochettino's press conference where he said, that Moussa Dembele will probably be available for selection, which would be massive for us. And also that Clinton and G has returned to first-team training. He's still probably a couple weeks out. But um, always good to have, have pacey players like that on the bench, especially considering we don't have many to begin with. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not nearly as bad as a lot of people uh, are claiming it is. We just really need to kind of hunker down and, and see if we can rebound from this the way, say, Liverpool did uh, after losing the cup final. And we've done it so far this year. I think we've won every match after we've lost. So no, no stretches there, uh, which is definitely a positive. And we need that. We do need Moussa Dembele back. It cannot be understated how much we need him in our side um, or, or how much impact he's had this season. Just because Ryan Mason on his day is a fully capable substitute, but sometimes it's not his day and he isn't the most consistent player and Yesterday, it looked quite clear that he was lost with so many people in the midfield. So hopefully either he figures that out if Dembele isn't able to start, but if Dembele does start, I would favor our chances in that one. Uh, aside from that, not a whole bunch of news coming out from Tottenham. Just a, a couple stats. One, that Musa Dembele uh, has been absent 
for three of our four losses. And then the fourth one on opening day to United, he played on the wing instead of in central midfield. So just kind of highlighting the importance that he's had for us. And that Harry Kane has gone on a bit of a cold spell. And so when everybody is doom and glooming it, we, we know that Kane doesn't stay off the score sheet for long. So assuming that that kind of regresses to the mean, I'd assume we'll be just fine. It, the, the most concerning thing of this weekend isn't even our loss to West Ham. Again, a very good team. It's that Manchester United won and are creeping their way back up into the conversation. And that West Ham won, and so they're creeping their way back up into the conversation. I do not have the confidence that Jim has, that regardless of what happens, they'll still be in the Champions League. I have supported Spurs long enough to be very worried <laughs> that somehow we fall to fifth. Um, hopefully it doesn't happen. Uh, Danny Rose mentioned in an interview that he went to dinner with Eric Lamela, and he said, do you think we can really finish in the Champions League? And Lamela, with the arrogance of youth and having not been a Spurs, fan, uh, Spurs player for very long, said, we can go on and win the title. And apparently Danny Rose gave him a very skeptical look, uh, which is not surprising based on our track record. But hopefully it all turns out well. After this Arsenal match, we do have Villa and Bournemouth, so hopefully we can pad our resume with a couple wins there. But then we, we go on a very tough run to end the season against Liverpool and then United, Stoke, West Brom, Chelsea, and Southampton, all five of which have top ten defenses in the league, which is not easy. And then we have Jake to ruin our day on the last day of the season, just as Newcastle have let us down against Arsenal in years past. Uh, and you know what, Jake? I just realized what's going to happen is you're going to win that match to stay safe, and it's going to knock us to fifth. I think that that is now very likely. Um, but yeah, so not not too bad. Yes, there's panic going on. It could be worse. Uh, and just kind of on to the next one from here. All right, and now we are going to head into the topic where Alexis Sanchez had a uh, interview that was a little bit misquoted. They misquoted him saying that Arsenal lacked the mentality of champions, but he did say that they are lacking hunger at the moment. Do you think mentality is the problem at Arsenal and it's why they haven't been winning the league lately? I don't know what it is with Arsenal. Um, they just... <clears throat> yeah, the way you say it, if, the, if they're lacking hunger in, you know, at the beginning of March when the league is, you know, sort of eating... Each, the, everyone in the league is eating each other, taking points of each other, front and centre. Arsenal a few weeks ago were in pole position. They were everyone's favourite. They were only a couple of points behind Leicester. Um... And they've just how many games? I think they've won like two games or something since two Christmas. and eight, two and eight since since Boxing Day. That's that's absolutely crazy. And if you're lacking hunger between Boxing Day and May, when are you going to be hungry? I mean, that's that's what that's when people win trophies. Com- Vincent Company said that this is like hunting season for Manchester City. You know, when the turn of the year comes and the trophy starts become available, so you've got the League Cup in February. They always try and box that off. And this is when they start going on runs. Historically, City have never walked to a title. The two titles that they have won, they've come from behind, and it's often been... In fact, they've won both their titles in the last week. Against Liverpool, they were top going into the final game, but when that last week started, they actually had a game in hand, and once they won the game in hand, that's when they did finally leap up first. Mm. So, and that that's hunger. That's like super professionals accepting the pressure and using it and being world-class. Arsenal have world-class players, and they have a very good squad. And it, it, it is beggar's belief that they can be so nonchalant about such a big chance. I mean, the fact that Leicester are winning... No disrespect. <laughs> the fact that Leicester are winning the league and 
like Arsenal's best player is saying that one of the best teams in England lacks hunger. Like, and to be fair, that, he's a big part of it. The fact that he's the one yeah, saying it, I found a little is, bit brash. Yeah. Exactly. That is a good point. It's a very good point. And it, 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 it literally shocks me. Like, how can you not be hungry? How can you not be, like, confident? It's just, I mean, come on. Leicester are top of the league. You should have fucking walked this league. <laughs> you should have won. Like, it is, it's so strange. I don't understand it. I don't know if it's because, like, Arsenal are just sort of like, you know, when you look at Arsenal from the outside, you think, oh, they're a cool squad. They're like, you know, like, they're all pretty cool guys. Sanchez, Welbeck. I don't know. Or maybe it's the mentality of the fans. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But they just never seem to be able to cope with it. When it gets really serious, when they're in the comfort zone, they're like, they purr. But as soon as you take them out of that comfort zone, they literally fall to pieces. And I, I actually find it quite embarrassing because I'm historically, let's say when Liverpool and Arsenal were almost guaranteed top four, I always sort of like wanted Arsenal to win the league because usually Liverpool fell away before Christmas when they were, you know, when, when we were involved in title races regularly. And it, and it always seems to happen. And then like sort of my, my second team, would, even though even they were disappointing me. <laughs> so I sort of know this feeling and it does frustrate me because I do like Arsenal. I, I can't explain it. I mean, if you're not hungry at this stage of the season, I think it's absolute treason. Like that is treason, especially when you're hunting trophies or the only, the only other way you could be hungry is if you're maybe avoiding relegation, like, and you know, and you actually were at a club that you wanted to fight for. And you know, that's something that makes you hungry, but the best players hunt trophies. And if, and if, if like, if Alexis Sanchez and anyone else in the Arsenal squad is saying that when they are elite players, then they're probably at the wrong squad. And maybe that's something to do with Arsene Wenger not motivating his squad correctly. Not sure. That's an interesting point you raise. Do you think that that mentality comes down from the manager, Jim? I think Arsenal are still in that mentality, certainly some of the fans and not necessarily the players, because there's been a lot of change since the time when they were kind of the invincibles. But... I think for a lot of the season, they assume that they're better than their results on the pitch are. So if you look at every, if you look at every season um, over the last um, few years, so last season they screwed up in August, um, and that kind of put them behind before they were even had a chance to get ahead. So they had like a you know a really poor start to the season, which gave them a everyone else a head start. Um, the season before that, they had a terrible March. And the season before that, it was January, um, where they just completely fell to pieces. So there's always a spell in which they do absolutely abysmally, and it always seems to cost them. They'll finish in the top four. You know, fourth place is their trophy, is the running joke. And that, you know, is the difference. That that bad month is usually the difference between a top four and, um, <laughs> and a title challenge. Um, so... You know, I, I had a look at some some stats on this, and they're the thirteenth best side against teams in the middle third of the league this year, which is just insane for a team that is supposed to be challenging for the title. If you look at their results, so I mean, draws with Stoke, two draws with Liverpool, a draw and a loss to Southampton, and two losses to Chelsea. You know, that isn't. And this is not winning. title winning Chelsea. No, by the way. and yet and yet they're the only team to beat Leicester home and away. And I think that just, you know, that perfectly encapsulates their issue. On their day, they're absolutely unplayable. And there are times when 
like that I wouldn't say it about the game at the Emirates because I think the red card changed the game and you know I think I honestly think without my blue tinted spectacles on we would have got at least a draw if not a win out of that game with 11 men on the pitch but it's okay it's all well and good beating big teams but if you you don't get any more points for beating a team that are in second or first compared to beating a team who are in 10th you know you still get three points for beating Chelsea and they've lost to them twice um that kind of mentality, I think they just can't motivate themselves for games against the middle third. Yesterday is a perfect example. I didn't know. I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner. Mm. They got beat two one at home by Swansea. A Swansea mm. team. This was not their best fucked. eleven, by the way. They were preparing for their next match. I think against Norwich. Like they, they were stacking their side so that they'd be rested for a six yeah. pointer in the relegation and- zone. And yes, they hit the bar a few times. You know, they got unlucky. Arsene Wenger can talk about how they dominated the game. At the end of the day, they didn't put the ball in the back of the net. And if Arsene Wenger wants to moan about in an, Ill- an inability to take chances, then he needs to look at who he's starting up front. You know, Alexis Sanchez hasn't looked good at all since he came back from injury. Olivier Giroud's on his biggest barren spell, I think, all year. How many games? Has it been nine, ten games since he hmm. scored? Um, and... Theo Walcott is just completely disintegrated. I don't know what's happened to him at all. The only player who was showing any kind of flair and spark was Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, and now he's injured for you know months on end. So, as much as Arsenal would like to think that you know they're title contenders season in season out, the reality is they very rarely are because they always have that spell at some point in the season where they just completely screw it up and either leave themselves too much to do, and they often finish like a train and will get into fourth but left themselves way too much to do, or they'll shoot themselves in the foot earlier in the season, and then they're too far behind to actually get anywhere close. Yeah, Jake, what do you make of the whole situation? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree there that um, Arsenal are not regularly uh, title contenders. And, you know, team, people talk about Leicester and uh, Tottenham. You know, they don't, they've never really been up there. You know, they're not used to challenging for a title. Could they fall away? It's the same with Arsenal, really. They haven't really challenge for a title um seriously for for a, a number of years really i mean they've always they've been at the top for a while normally in the early part of the season they normally do fall away and i i think a lot of it i think a lot of it is tied to their champions league uh, campaign i think you know getting drawn against uh you know the types of like barcelona and Bayern munich year in year out and it must have been so demoralising and there's always that fall just after Christmas when the, the round of 16 in the Champions League is played it's always that fall and it, I mean it could be tied into that because they're big, they're big players and they want to be playing in, in the big competitions and you know to, to be yeah I, I think that definitely has an effect I think um, recently I think Arsene Wenger is an amazing manager I wouldn't I would never want to see him leave Arsenal I think he's, he's definitely he manages them in the right way he plays good football brings in good players you know um great for developing developing young players but recently I think some of his uh, decisions have been questionable I think he messed with his defence ahead of the Manchester United game bringing in Gabriel and he, um, and I think that didn't work out and then again yesterday they didn't have Koscielny and I think that's a big reason for their um, their dropping goals um, and yeah I, I, there's something lacking in in sort of hunger. I agree with Sanchez, even though he's been misquoted. I agree with the sort of the crux of what what was taken from the Sanchez interview. I think there's something something to do with the hunger. I think I think it's it's not 
I think it's more of a lack of belief. I don't think there's the belief in the squad that they can do it. And I think that's why they fall away time and time again. I think they're so used to finishing fourth that it's just too much to ask them, uh, ask the squad to win the title. And a lot of them have never really been there before. The likes of Walcott, Oxlade Chamberlain, Koscielny, they have never really challenged for a title. So they don't have that, you know, experience to draw from, which is why I thought, which is why I thought when Czech came in, he'd play a big part and he, he has played a part, but there's still something lacking. And I think the central midfield this season has been quite, it's been caught up just, uh, just after book to death. I think that's the area that they've been exploited in. I think Flamini and Ramsey together didn't work as a partnership. Coquelin has come back in, but he's not looked like the player he was last season. They've desperately list Cazorla and it's, I mean, I, when we played Arsenal on, on New Year's Day, we were we dominated them off the pitch. And I think since that Southampton game, they just haven't been the same. And it's just come out in the results, which is which is disappointing. I'd love to see Arsenal win the league. And their upcoming fixtures, you know, they have to win that game on Saturday. If they don't win that, they're not going to win the league. I don't think they will win it either, which is sad. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Uh, we actually got a couple of listener questions, and one of them was, does somebody have to win the league this year by rule? I think the answer is yes, but uh, Jake, if you don't think it's going to be Arsenal, who do you think it will be? Uh, I don't think it's going to be City, uh, re- watching them recently. I don't think they're going to they're gonna do it. So that leaves, that leaves Tottenham <laughs> and Leicester, and, unless you believe Manchester United could bring it back, and they, they cannot. So let, let's focus on Tottenham and Leicester. Yeah, Leicester have got quite a nice run, but I think Leicester are a team. I, I mean, no, no disrespect, but Leicester are a team. I support a team in ninety position. They're a team that I still think we could get something out of a game against Leicester. It's I don't think they've they've yet to build that sort of um, that sort of like attitude from opposition players where they think, oh, we we're going here. Oh, we're going to be in for. A, they know they're going to be in for a tough game, but they don't go there going, oh, we're going to lose this. Which is why I think you know the West Brom and Norwich games would be really interesting because. Leicester haven't run away with the game. and uh, Norwich were very unlucky from what I've seen. I didn't see the whole game, so I can't, I can't draw on that. But I, I think Norwich, you know, they, they had a lot of chances on another day, could, could have won that game. So I, uh, going off that, I think teams are going to be more up for taking points off Leicester. So I still, I think Spurs are going to win the league, Kev. I'm going to, I'm going to say it now, I think Spurs are going to win the league. They've won seven of the last nine. Momentary blip. Uh, against West Ham, and I always think the midweek games you can discount because they always come up with crazy results. So I, th- I, I think Spurs are going to win. I think they're going to win on Saturday, and they're going to win the league. Yeah, I just wanted to come in on the whole Leicester not putting the fear of God into teams and people thinking that they can come and take points off us. I think that's exactly partly why, well, m- most of the reason why we've been so successful this year. I love the fact that people say we can go there and take a point or three points off Leicester or when Leicester go to them they can they can get a result because I think that type of mentality 
we've thrived on that all season. That kind of underdog, nobody <laughs> but fears. But you have it. to drop off, unquote, everyone this season. Well, this is the thing. Everyone has been saying all season, but they have to drop off. And the more that they say that, the more it creates that siege mentality within the squad, which is so small and so tight-knit. And, you know, this is the thing. If we do get Europe next year, if we tried it with this squad, obviously it's, it's ifs and buts, but if that was to be the case, we'd get decimated because there's no way we'd be able to deal with loads more games or many more games at all. We've been so good with injuries this year that, you know, the Kante injury is built up to be something huge because he's our first kind of key player. Probably to be three injured. matches, I think. I, saw, I, saw yeah, gonna miss. I think he's going to be back after, after, after the weekend. I think Ranier originally said two matches. Whether that's been reassessed to three or not, I don't know. But I'm hoping after the Watford game, he's going to be back in the team. And he is a big part of that. But, you know, you, you then kind of have Andy King come in who potentially scores what could have been a match-winning goal if, if Gardner hadn't stuck one in the top corner from 30 yards because they didn't really have another chance after that. Um, but, yeah, I do, to be fair... I've said for a while, Kev, that I think Spurs will win the league if we don't. Um, back when you were kind of in fourth and fifth and kind of starting to build up ahead of steam. And I think, you know, it will... But all I just keep thinking about is those two Europa League games chasing Borussia Dortmund oh, around. Dortmund, yeah. And, it, you know, I think what people forget is that Leicester are the only team in the running that don't have European football to deal with. And yet, Arsenal are going to go out to Barcelona. But... If you look at the effects that European football has had on the squads that are either in the running or have been in the running, it really affects you, especially when you get to the latter part of the season. So Arsenal have already been pretty bad with injuries because they're Arsenal and they're always bad with injuries. Um, But they've played quite a lot more football than us this year. And it's going to add up. I know they've got a slightly bigger squad, but I'm, I'm not convinced that their strength and depth is there to be able to cope with that in the same way that ours is when we're only playing, you know, mid-40s in terms of a number of games a season. So I do kind of take the point that Leicester have got to drop off at some point, but I would also kind of think there's there's counter-arguments to that which people kind of forget when they want to make that point about us kind of having either a really difficult run or not dominating games or teams not being scared of us. Mm. Just, just to comment on the Dortmund game, if Dortmund at the weekend, if they beat Bayern Munich, they go two points off the off Bayern Munich in, in Germany, and they may not take the Europa League as seriously as we think if they do win that <laughs> we game. We should have a handshake agreement to play our second 11s and just yeah, yeah, whatever I, happens, happens. I mean, if Dortmund win that game on on Saturday or Sunday, whatever it is, they may not take the Europa League as seriously because Munich have looked poor recently. So I'd, that might not a game as people Was it make Mainz out that they it. just lost to? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and you know Pochettino is going to take it seriously because he has all year. He's not going to yeah. change that now. Well, he's taken it seriously in so much as maybe four of our Premier League eleven are still. Oh starting yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's still the squad. He's not completely put. He's not going to put out a second string, right. um, completely. And the the more that you get towards the business end of the Europa League, the more surely he's going to adjust his attitude, and it might be. Six or seven first team players. Oh yeah, of... we're going to start seeing a lot more Lloris yeah. in that competition. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and Kane and you know when, mm. I know that, but the thing is the fullbacks get changed regularly anyway. Yeah, you know that's you know we've talked about that before. That's a regular. That was thing. a brilliant bit of squad building that none of us were aware we were trying to do. Yeah, and you you've basically got interchangeable fullbacks, which you know is is a really good idea when you're competing on so many fronts. Yeah. Uh, 
in terms of competitions. But at the same time, it's very, very difficult not to take a potential quarter final. You know, if you did get past Dortmund, I know they're the favourites and everyone thinks that that's going to be the end of it. But I don't think it's there's that much difference between the two. I think Dortmund are good, but on their day, Tottenham, everyone forgets what Tottenham are doing week in, week out. Um, and I think it, that's a real tough game to call. There's mm. every chance that Tottenham could squeak through that. And then you're looking at a quarter final. Do you rotate and it's two more games? It depends who you get drawn against, but you could be going, you know, a lot. Uh, it could be a long old flight to get to the away leg. Yeah. The crazy it'll, thing it'll, is, it'll, is that the Premier League is our best chance at Champions League. Which we never yeah. would have thought coming into the year. But no. Anyway, I need to stop talking about this because I'm blushing. And you might be able to hear it. It's so severe. Um, but quickly, Zach, who do you think wins the title? Liverpool. All right, <laughs> great. <laughs> Come from um, out of nowhere! <laughs> uh, I was really hoping it'd be, it'd be City or Arsenal just because I, cannot, I literally can't accept Tottenham or Leicester winning the league before us. But I actually think it'll be Leicester. All right, well, Jim and I can leave this segment happy, and David from Utah can be pleased that we kind of circuitously answered his question that he sent in about a month ago. Um, All right, uh, and also another one that's on the large pile that we haven't addressed in quite some time. Uh, Jake, I'll let you assess this before we keep going. Who's the worst manager in the Premier League? Yeah, I'd go Steve McLaren, but then I support the team that he manages, so I would say Mm -hmm. that, but there are many a poor manager in the Premier League. Mainly the ones I'm talking about are British, so you know we could go through them if you want. Um, Allardyce, I think he's, his time has come. The Pulis—they're just both, you know, just relegation fighters. I don't really think overall they're good managers. I think I think they do a job, but they're not—they're not—they're not good managers per se. They're just sort of firefighters. They're—they're they're the type of managers that I'd rather rather not see in the Premier League. Um, we go on. I don't think. Um, I don't think Gard Garde is a very good manager for Villa. I think he did all right at Leon, but. He's, yeah, he's just been very. It's almost poor. as if the quality of your side can impact your results. Almost, yeah, <laughs> crazy. But then, uh, but then, I, I'd say we have a we have a side a lot better than nineteenth. So true. On on that basis of where your club should <laughs> be and where they actually boys. are, Steve McLaren's probably doing the worst job. Yeah. Also, I don't really mind Alex Neal, but his ability to pick the wrong eleven every week is astounding to me. I think this side should have been comfortably safe. The fact that Cameron Jerome ever starts ahead of Diamercy Mbokani or Steve Naismith is laughable. Oh, I it's, reckon Cameron Jerome is amazing in training. That's the only answer. He's, oh, he thank God he's not it. at Tottenham because he'd start every week because that's how Pochettino <laughs> fixes players. Ooh. Can I just jump in on Cam, that Cameron Jerome thing? Yeah. Like, uh, it depends how much of the highlights or what package and what, uh, what kind of broadcaster you saw it on. The game against Leicester... He was abysmal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he missed three or four really, chances. really good chances. Yeah. Like, there's the one that everyone's seen with the header from about four yards where he puts it wide of the far post. Mm-hmm. There's also one which Match of the Day in England didn't even bother to show, which was a one-on-one with Kasper Schmeichel, where his first touch is so bad, he basically passes it back to him. But he's <laughs> clean through on goal. He's about <laughs> 25 yards out, and he boots it about 10 yards into the area, and Kasper Schmeichel just picks it up. He's already sliding out to come and get it. He, he he is so bad. And I was sitting there thinking, have I missed an injury? Like, they must be really short up top. Nope. And then they brought on a couple of strikers towards yeah. the end. And I'm just sitting there thinking, 
why didn't you start these guys? Yep. Like, what has Cameron Jerome been doing in training to make you think that he's better yeah. as an option than the guys that you've just brought on when you're 1-0 down? And they the immediately dark... looked better. Like, immediately. Oh, they're so... Yeah. And, so... and they randomly and spontaneously bench Houlihan or Redmond. I like Johnny Housen. I think he's a decent footballer. Sebastian Basong being your best defender, not a whole bunch of good news. But this this team is better than where they are. In, in my estimation, the talent of this side should be safe. But that's not what it's all about. Because with that, Newcastle would be like 10th right now. So, Oh, well. And that's because I super overrate Andres Townsend. But apparently he's been doing well. So He's been doing all right. I'm, I'm so interested, Kevin, who you think should be in the bottom three. Because really, everybody you come down, you're like, I don't think you're going to go down. I know, does, I know. Does everyone just stay up in your opinions? <laughs> no. Well, is this like all year? Who's got to win the league? Like, does <laughs> does someone down? have to go down? Yes. All season, I've been on Villa and Norwich. At the beginning of the season, the team with them was Bournemouth because they had so many injuries. But Eddie Howe, speaking of managers, has done a hilariously fantastic job keeping them there thereabouts. Elphick is back. Gradell's back now. They'll just be fine, which is astounding to me um, <laughs> because I think they're super outplaying their ability. Um, but yeah, they should be fine. Uh, so yeah, now it's the third one. Norwich and Villa felt pretty down from the off. It's still down to Sunderland and Newcastle. I honestly think it's those four now. I think. Do, do you know? I I can see Palace dropping. I've I've watched a Pardew team long enough to think they can drop. But they're four points away from being safe. Yeah, but for how the many rest have of they the season, since the turn of the year, have they got two points since the turn of the year? And Pardew, it's all, right, he goes yeah. on massive runs, like. Yeah, like but really bad runs. As well. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, don't they have right. uh, you at the weekend, Zach? Yeah, they do. Um, so expect a Crystal Palace win out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, uh, right. We, they do have that listen, random success against you. I'll listen, up the touchline. I'd love yeah, it. Yeah, that is going to happen. If you need a win, if you're lead... I'm going to do an infomercial right now. Have you, won, have you won a game this year? Has your leading goal scorer scored a goal in 25 games? No? Play Liverpool. They're always open. <laughs> oh, we've got Liverpool in a few weeks as well. I'm buzzing for that. Yeah, exactly. Newcastle's the case in point. They had a one in six years and then battered us at St. James's Park. What is that about? That was after we just had a really good result as well. I think I think I think that was the you, week after you beat we beat Southampton. City. You, oh, and you Southampton. Beat Southampton in the yeah. Cup. yeah. Six nil, yeah. It was it was it was four or five days after six nil against Southampton, away from home, so we thought it'd be a similar a similar kind of affair. I was buzzing. After that game, oh my god, I was morbid. I was so that morbid. Origi's amazing hat trick, wasn't it? Where he just yeah, like, absolute fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember my favorite thing about uh, Divock Origi is uh, during the World Cup when he scored. I uh, put a tweet out after that match. It was like twenty bucks says tomorrow somebody links us with Origi, and then there were like three the next day. I was like, I actually think I would be saying that. Yeah, I was like, I don't think people are trying anymore. They're just like, is he playing well? Is he young enough that a big team wouldn't risk it, but a smaller club would need him? Sounds like a Tottenham signing to us. And <laughs> as we all know, if it sounds like a Tottenham signing, it also sounds like a Liverpool signing. Yeah, so standard. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, uh, Origi has has done fairly well for you. Also, as you can tell from this, I haven't decided how I'm going to pronounce his name. Keep alternating soft G's and hard G's. I say Origi. 
Divock Origi. Divock Origi. Divock Origi. Yeah, okay. I'll go hard, G. Uh, it okay. is decided. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. We're probably going to skip player watch and go into match previews, uh, where we'll be talking about the matches that we have heading into this weekend. First match of the weekend, Tottenham versus Arsenal. Not much to see here. Just title implications and top four implications on the line. What an exciting game. Yeah. Um, I might actually watch it. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's also super early here in the U.S., 7.45 a.m. Uh, so, it's like for me, because I have to do my predicted 11 and then uh, talk about the actual 11, I get to be up at 5.45 a.m. for this one. So, at least I won't be grumpy when we lose. Um, no, but that to the side, like I said, the, the fact that Arsenal are going to be without uh, Koscielny and, uh, uh, I almost said Fabianski, wow, better check, um, is a big blow for them. And if, I will say this, if we have Moussa Dembele, we win this match. If not, it becomes a lot more interesting. Uh, these ones always tend to be close and, and difficult. I'm going to say it's a 1-1 draw, and then somebody has a moment to make it 2-1. Um but yeah, I'm I'm gonna go one one draw. Well, we have our what I would consider our better pair of wingbacks, especially against Arsenal with pace. Having Walker and Rose just gives us a little bit more dynamicism uh, in attack because when we have the likes of Lamela and Eriksen up front, they both want to cut in, which allows a lot of space for our wingbacks at all times. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm feeling fairly confident, but a lot of that confidence is bred in the fact. As I mentioned earlier, that regardless of the result, we will still be ahead of Arsenal in the table. All right, Jake, you will be facing Bournemouth, who I just heavily complimented after you heavily negatively critiqued your own side. What do you see happening in this match? I'm slightly more confident because we are at home, and we are pretty good at home. Um, so when you're the hat trick, it's going to yeah, be one of those. Yeah, he's amazing at home. He only ever scores at home, so that's obviously a goal from Wijnaldum in there. Um, Bournemouth are better away from home, though, so it's it's sort of sort of detracts from my own confidence a little bit um sim de jong vernon anita will be back they played in a behind closed uh door friendly against hartley pool which we actually lost hilariously um yeah so they're, they're gonna be back i think cc might be back as well and um hopefully we start with uh Doombia and perez because they looked really good when they came on uh for a seven minutes against stoke when we decided we might want to try and score a goal so yeah I, i'm i think it'll be pretty much uh standard um Lineup. I don't think Colacini's back, so it'll be Lascelles and uh, Steven Taylor at the back again with Dummer and Yama at fullbacks. Um, probably play Tiote and Shelby, and hopefully we'll go with Perez, um, Wijnaldum and Sissoko, because I'm not sure Townsend's back. If he's back, I'd probably play Townsend ahead of Sissoko, but Sissoko's undroppable, so that won't happen. Um, and then hopefully Doombia up front, because I think Mitrovic it just hasn't been that good recently. But if we if we play like we did against West Ham and West Brom at home, we we should have beat uh, beaten both of them three or four nil. Um, if we play like that, I'm I'm confident. I mean, Bournemouth are good on the break. Oh, it's it's tough. It's a tough one to call. We have to win this game. If we don't win this game, there's a lot of talk in the local press that Steve McLaren will go. If we, if we lose, he's definitely going to go. So it's it's sort of uh, sort of a massive match for him. I I can see us winning. Oh, I can't call a Newcastle win at the moment. It's gonna. I think we're going to play well. I'm going to go for like a score draw, like a two-all. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, and Jim, you'll be traveling to Watford against what is a very underrated defense. How do you think you'll fare? Yeah, Watford games always carry a little bit more significance um, for Leicester fans in the last few years after 
are hilariously bad end to a um, championship playoff semi-final where Anthony Knockhart missed a penalty and 30 seconds later on the break, Watford scored. And, One of the um, best pieces of football of all time. Oh, yeah. Just, just, just getting in there. It gives me goosebumps every single time I watch it. It's on my favourites in YouTube. I absolutely love it. That's Sorry, it. continue. As you were, guys. It's okay. It, it, it gives me nightmares every time I see it. And the, the problem is that Sky ran it on one of their adverts for football in general. It wasn't even for one game. So every time you saw an advert in the postseason, um, it was just Troy Deeney celebrating and me just tears and tears and tears. But yeah, um, so there's always a little bit of added bite to, to Watford Leicester games uh, because of that. And I just think that it's it's going to be a really, really tense game because Watford are, are really good defensively. Um, but going forward, they, they haven't done the business recently at all. Like, Agarlo missed a hatful of chances against Manchester United. And they drew another blank, which I think is their fourth in five. And I think in the other game, they only scored once. So, you know, it's almost set up to be a really tense, low-scoring um, game, probably settled one nil either way. Um, a draw wouldn't be the worst result, in truth, to be honest. But I kind of, I guess it depends what happens in the early game with the, the North London derby. If if Tottenham were to win that, then obviously they would go above us um, on goal difference because Tottenham's goal difference is like on another level. I realised three point today, plus twenty seven. Yeah, when I, when I actually looked at it, I think they're they're eight points better off than us. All sorry, eight goals better off than us before the um, before the West Ham game. Hmm. Um, so you know that that is equivalent to another point. Um, unless we can absolutely hammer a, a couple of teams in the running, which we could do, but at the moment it's the equivalent to another point. And we'd also have to not hammer anyone. Yeah, which, again, yeah. you could easily do. Um, so I think it's going to be quite a tense game. Angolo Kante is still out, which is which is a big blow. Um, there's no getting around it. And for me, he has probably, you know, since Jamie Vardy stopped scoring, he's making a legitimate play for kind of player of the season. And I don't think that's just being kind of hyping everything up for the sake of it like he legitimately um is a ridiculously good player and has just basically run the show and he's kind of stepped out of the shadow of the goal scorers to to show his talents um in his own light um because a lot of the work that he does normally goes unappreciated by the vast majority and I think the mainstream media have kind of cottoned on to the fact that he's now just an interception and tackle machine despite being about five foot four um, and seemingly looking like he'd be out-muscled by most kind of 15-year-old children um, in this country. Because <laughs> uh, he, there's absolutely nothing to him. It's ridiculous. Um, so he, he is a huge miss. I think we'll probably play Andy King again because it's very difficult to drop the guy who scored um, a goal and kind of generally did look okay. Not great, but good. Um, I think that will probably mean Danny Drinkwater is kind of shackled to the halfway line. Um, and will kind of break in packs, but leave a little bit more um, defensively. Um, I'll be interested to see what we do at corners actually, because we've started this thing where when we've got a defend, when we've got a corner being taken against us, we leave three on the halfway line now, which kind of really confuses the opposition for the first kind of ten, twelve minutes um, if they get an early corner, because we leave all Brighton, Mares, and Vardy up front on the halfway line. And obviously, if you leave those three on the halfway line, you really can't leave three defenders with them. You have to leave four because they're just quicker than all... I can almost guarantee they're quicker than anyone that a defensive-minded player 
have, uh, is you know is going to be playing against us. So that'll be interesting because I think we could try and do that on the break with them this year. Um, obviously, it, it's it's difficult to call because it, they're difficult to read as a team. They're just very very solid. Um, if I had to make a score prediction, I'd go one nil Leicester because I think it's going to be pretty tight. Um, but yeah, that that's probably as much of wishful thinking as it is from kind of logic and and my better judgment. All right, and Zach, you will be traveling to Selhurst to play Crystal Palace. Obviously, they're on that horrible run that we've mentioned. Uh, what do you see in this one? Um, despite my uh, little commercial that I did before, I'm still I am pretty hopeful <laughs> for this game. I mean, Palace have just out of nowhere a few months ago decided that their season was over. Um, they were safe, so they sort of give up. Um. If we don't win this game, it'll be hugely disappointing. I think it'll be, you know, pretty hard to take after beating City 3-0 and obviously following on from the League Cup final and, you know, the wounds are starting to heal. I think this game, if we lose it or even draw it, it just open that, that wound up again. And um, I think it'd be a pretty painful one to take. Um, we have got a few injuries. I mean, Sturridge wasn't injured, but he... Absolutely needed a rest for the City game. I mean, he couldn't even take a penalty, apparently. Um, he was that, you know, hurt physically. He was in that much pain. So, hopefully he's back. Um, Lucas pulled up pretty much during his run-up to the penalty, um, apparently. So, he's he's possibly out. But, you know, some people are in good form. I mean, Lallana was absolutely on fire against City. I mean, I have never... I- even in the Southampton days, I never saw him play that well. It's, I, I think it's the best I've seen him play, 100%. Um, so hopefully he can continue that form. Um, Firmino got on the, on the score sheet, and he'll be, he's, he's probably going to be pretty peeved off at not being called up to the Brazil squad. So um, hopefully he's got some fire in his belly again. Um, Coutinho we should have back. He wasn't injured, but he was rested for the whole of the City game, so that was good. Um, Origi's put in two good games, so we've got some plays in form, but... We've um, also got some injuries. I fully expect us to win this game. There is absolutely no excuse for letting a team in this bad a patch of form to beat us, um, especially when, you know, the league's pretty much all we've got now. The Europa League's like, you know, a one-off game. and Because it, it's against United, you don't need to hype that up. You don't need to look forward to it. You just do it sort of thing. So this is So this is a really important game for us now if we want to keep up any kind of pressure on, you know, on our outside chances of top four, should we say, with us being six points behind City. So, yeah, I fully expect to win. Um, it should be a pretty entertaining game. Um, Palace likes to counter-attack. We, we like to counter-attack, but we've looked a bit more comfortable in possession um, as the season's worn on a little bit. So, it should be a pretty decent game. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it anyway. You know, after the hype of the 3-0 against City, I'm definitely looking forward to it. All right, well, thanks so much, guys. We are out of time, so if you want to tell people where to reach you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time. Um, If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at ZachForster underscore AI. Uh, I've also got a fantasy football um, show, which we're sort of like co-doing with with Kev at the moment. We've got a little competition going on. Um, The Twitter account for that is at AIFantasyFootsy. I've also started a new gaming YouTube channel, which is covering Call Call of Duty Black Ops 3 and... Uh, Rocket League and FIFA, uh, just getting that started up. So if you want to give um, give that a follow and a subscription, you'll find that in my Twitter bio. Um, it's Exerting Plays, which is just my game tag. It's not a random made-up word that I've just, just thought of now. So yeah, uh, that's it. Thank you for listening. Yeah, cheers for listening. Um, 
You get my uh, Twitter at Jake Chaffin with two ends. Uh, I've just written something for Total Dutch Football where you can get all the um, Eredivisie and Dutch Dutch football uh, news and uh, you know views and stuff. I just wrote a piece on uh, Vincent Jadson, who is going to be the next breakout star of that league. Mark my words, he is an absolute superb football player. So go and check that out if you want to know uh, about the player who scored 10 goals since the turn of the year. So yeah, check that out. And you could also check out my other stuff on EPL Index where I've got the North London Derby match preview going up tomorrow. So yeah, check that out. Thanks for listening, uh, guys. I've been Jim. You can find me uh, on Twitter at JimKnight88. Um, in my day job, I'm the, the gaming content manager for Perform. So that covers um, a lot of different websites, Goal.com um, and a lot of Opta stats stuff as well. So head there if you want to kind of read various ramblings about um, betting related uh, statistics and kind of previews for all the upcoming games yeah and I'm your host Kevin DeVries at Kevroff on Twitter you can find my writing over at playtaga.com and theeaglesbeak.com where I have a weekly fantasy article based on price points I also host the FPL roundtable which will be up by the time you're listening to this we didn't have a show yesterday because uh, we surprisingly did one on Monday because Rob said we should do it, and so then we did. Um, but that'll be up by the time you're listening to this to get you ready for match week 29. And uh, as Zach mentioned, we are in the middle of a thing with Anfield Index, and hopefully uh, you'll hear from them on one of our channels next week as we wrap up our £65 million challenge. But thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.